What's up, everybody? Welcome into Fantasy Fire and Ice, the NFL edition brought to you by Sportstopia. I'm your host, Simon, joined as always by my co-hosts, Stu, a.k.a. Monotone Football. And joining us ever so shortly here, we'll have Terrell Furman Jr. on with us as well. Stu, how's it going? It's going well, man. I finally got a win in the win column on my main team. You know, I got a lot of Jonathan Taylor, a lot of Cooper Cup. Seeing him finally back in the starting lineup and not in the IR has been huge for me. So another week in the book, super excited. We got a huge waiver wire today. Obviously a lot of buys going on. So got a lot of good stuff to talk about. The most buys we've had yet this year. And it feels like the most injuries we've had yet this year over the weekend as well. It was a pretty brutal weekend for injuries. So I don't know about you. I don't know about everybody listening, but I go through and I look at all of my teams and the benches just say, bye, 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 out, bye. Bye, bye. Where you're starting, just who you got to start. You're just putting the players in that you have to start. So I'm saying this is probably maybe not the most exciting waiver wire of the season yet, but one of, if not the most important, because these players have a very high chance of entering your starting lineup immediately with six teams on by and all the injuries we're dealing with. Exactly. A lot of weeks we're talking about who can you stash, who can be that guy that maybe wins your league in a couple of weeks, right? But this week we're locked in on that guy that can just get you that eight, nine points enough to just get you by into next week, right? And that's always an important distinction to make because you want to shoot for the stars sometimes, but obviously if you've got three bye weeks, sometimes you just got to get shit done and start, you know, that guy that's going to give you that nice three for 34 stat line. The classic tight end stat line but we're taking it at all positions this week well we will uh get into those names a little bit later here we got a bunch to cover today like we mentioned it's one of the biggest waiver wire weeks of the season thus far we also had a monday night football game last night that was fairly exciting i love down to the wire single game island games because it feels like everybody's just in it together you know what i mean there's this like uh, communal feeling of watching that game down to the wire We'll get into that ever so briefly. Before we do that, you guys see that QR code down on the screen right there. Week six is in the books, which means it's time to start getting ready for your week seven DFS lineups. If you scan that code right there, you can sign up for a seven day test drive of the Fantasy Sports Logics Contrarian Edge Optimizer for only $1. It's how we're helping come up with a lot of these stacks that we're giving you on the show. So check it out. Start getting your lineups in shape a little bit early here for week seven. That being said, I think we jump right into this Monday night football game that took place last night. Stu, Cowboys ended up pulling away in a surprisingly bad game from Justin Herbert. I expected more from him given how this Cowboys defense has looked the past couple weeks. Hasn't necessarily been the super strong unit we saw in the first two weeks of the year. How are you feeling about Justin Herbert and this Kellen Moore-led offense? Because it did seem like they struggled last night. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, I would say this is probably one of the few games where you can really put it on Justin Herbert for kind of losing this team the game. And I'm not trying to be too harsh right here. I'm a, a huge Justin Herbert fan in the long term. But yeah, this was a rough showing. There were a lot of opportunities, especially down the line, right, where he had guys open. There were opportunities to take the lead and they just couldn't take advantage right there. So definitely um, something to look, keep an eye on looking forward. But in terms of fantasy, obviously, you're not going to be benching Justin Herbert unless you've got an 
an absolutely spectacular team. I still think this is a guy that you can trust for the remainder of the season. But yeah, definitely a tough showing in prime time. And not a great showing. What's up, Terrell? Welcome. And we're talking a bit about Justin Herbert's struggles last night. Do you agree with Stu here that it's nothing to be concerned about for fantasy long term? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I guess. You know, welcome. Welcome. Hello. Hello, everybody. I, I, I guess you could say you don't need to be concerned for fantasy long term just because he's going to get the usage. But I mean, if you're a Chargers fan, you're not happy. <laughs> I wouldn't be happy if I'm a Chargers fan. I don't even think I'm 100%. I, I, did I do something wrong? Did I say something bad, Keith? <laughs> is that why you had to put me back into the gulag? Like, is it is it bad to be critical of Justin Herbert? It feels like nobody's Apparently. ever critical. Justin Herbert is the poster child. Like, we thought that Trevor Lawrence was the poster child. No, Justin Herbert is the poster child of it doesn't matter what happens. It's never his fault. Never. It's always Staley. It's always the receivers. It's always the defense. It's always everything else but Justin Herbert. So for fantasy, yeah, sure, he's fine. But as an NFL quarterback, there needs to be some conversations to be had because there were too many wide open throws that he missed that if you were lost your matchup and you were starting Justin Herbert and you lost by like five points or something like that, you probably would have got it if he was a better quarterback. And then, Stu, that's kind of a – Maybe not as harsh coming from you, but you did say this is a loss that's on the shoulders of Justin Herbert here, a rare loss that gets put on him. Yeah, but I mean, still, I mean, you can have that um, afforded to you, that kind of, oh, let's not put it all on him when you're one of the three most talented quarterbacks in the league, right? I is mean, he really? I, I mean, when really? it's Mahomes and Allen, one and two. How is it not Justin Herbert number three? You mentioned Trevor Lawrence. Uh, would you take Trevor Lawrence? Uh, I just want to know. I'm just curious how many playoff games Justin Herbert has won. <laughs> it's not enough. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I just would like to know the number. Like, what's the number of the amount of playoff games that Justin Herbert has won? Because it's, it's, not, it's obviously not enough. But then the people that you're going to argue would be higher than him, they're not there either, right? I mean, who, who else? Like, Trevor Lawrence isn't some, you know, postseason guy. Jalen Hurts had one run after a monumental disaster in his first postseason appearance the year before. Obviously, we didn't see a great uh, showing last night as well from Jalen Hurts either. I mean, this guy is extremely talented. He can make throws that no one else can make. And that's why we give him that leeway, right, when we're criticizing him. Because at the end of the day, this game was on him. And if you're a Chargers fan, you have the right to be pissed off. But at the end of the day, I still can't. I'm not going to go off the fact that I think this is the one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league. And I wouldn't, you know, for fantasy especially, be having any reservations. Dustin down here chirping in saying Trevor Lawrence is highly overrated. I know he just put an article out about that. I agree. I agree. Yeah, no, I'm on Dustin, the same page. Trevor Lawrence is definitely highly overrated, but I think that we can't sit here and say that Justin Herbert is not our as well when we've seen we we've seen the flashes and we've seen all the good. And all I'm saying is that for years everybody has told me that Justin Herbert is going to be this fantasy MVP, and he's yet to be that. So I, I think he's a great quarterback for fantasy. Yes. But am I putting him in the upper echelon of some other quarterbacks that I'm looking at? No, not, because it's just not always there. Like, he doesn't always make the right decision. He doesn't always make the throw. And there's a little bit more uh, concern that you should have. But he's still going to be good for you for fantasy. Like, that's not – that he he has the volume and he has the arm talent. He's going to be good for fantasy. But without Malik Williams, his numbers have dropped. And we can't negate the fact that they dropped again in this game, another game he did not have Mike Williams in the lineup. 
I tend to find myself uh, more towards how Stu's viewing him, but I do not mind saying I need to see it in order to keep him up in that position where, where we've been elevating Justin Herbert to. John Luke stopping in here saying, what's good, boys? What's up, JL? Welcome in. Justin Herbert JL. is throwing – it's throwing the ball, but he's not throwing the ball to nobody. Mike Williams is out for the season. Keenan Allen retains that top wide receiver spot, but Joshua Palmer seems to be solidifying himself as the wide receiver two in this offense. Was the number two target yesterday. Seven targets, four receptions, 60 yards. Should have been uh, five receptions with that beautiful one-handed behind-the-back catch that got called back due to, I think it was an illegal player downfield, if I'm not mistaken. But Palmer's looking pretty good so far. I'm going to um, have to eat socks or some other expression. He's looking better than I thought he would. Terrell, what are you thinking of Palmer? Is he trustable in your fantasy lineups week in, week out at this point? Yes, he is. And, you know, I was one of the people that were higher on Palmer because he was vastly out snapping Quentin Johnston. He was out targeting Quentin Johnston, out receiving Quentin Johnston. He, it was everything. And while Quentin Johnston was the shiny new toy, the shiny Buzz Light gear toy that comes in and everybody wants to play with, it has not, you know, transpired. He and Herbert are not on the same page. Herbert actually overthrew him on a deep ball that probably would have went for a touchdown, and he overthrew him. So, I mean, we just talked about my concerns of Herbert. That's just one instance where I can say he 100% messed up that throw. And so, Quentin Johnston just is not there with Justin Herbert in this point. And this, but this is where most rookie wide receivers are at. We don't get the rookie wide receivers that are Justin Jefferson, that are Jamar Chase, that are breaking the mold and doing it right out the gate. We get this. So, kind of similar, similar to a Chris Godwin who came in. He, you know, they they liked him. They put him in the lineup. They eased him into it. But by the end of that year, by the year two, definitely in year three, that's when he really, really had that breakout. And I think that's the same trajectory that Quentin Johnston's on. It's not going to hit right now. But if you're in Dynasty, hold on to him. I have him too. He's probably going to be better around year two, year three. He was one of those players that I was hoping we would see a second half breakout from this year, but he just wasn't even used in this game at all. And it seems like they're perfectly happy with Josh Palmer in that wide receiver two role. Stu, are you feeling equally optimistic about Palmer as a fantasy asset? Yeah, no, I mean, we kind of talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but Palmer's never been a guy I've been high on in terms of a talent perspective. He was very inefficient last year, but even given all that, Terrell hit on it. It was so painfully obvious that he was the wide receiver too. And people trying to make Quinton Johnson a thing, in my opinion, were kind of putting their fantasy hopes um, over what we've seen in real life so far, right? Which is the lack of interest in having him as a full-time player at this point in his career. And the thing about the Chris Godwin comparisons, Chris Godwin was really good at football. We don't know if that's true with this guy, right? We have multiple other first-round picks already being trusted as like starters in their offense right now. Even Jordan Addison is now the wide receiver one over in Minnesota. And we're not seeing that same trust over here. There were a lot of question marks about him as a prospect. I saw a lot of people, um, you know, putting out the assertion that he was going to take over the job of Mike Williams. Look at their physical profiles. They're built so so similar. He's going to get all those jump balls downfield. But when you look at his profile in college, the arguably the number one concern about him was his ability to high point a football. Everything was a body catch despite his massive frame. He wasn't using that size effectively. And I think people fall in love with the athletic tools and they don't actually look at what's going on on the football field, right? Which is Joshua Palmer having that role locked down. That was just reinforced in prime time. If you have Quinton Johnston, I would not be feeling too good about it for the rest of the year and if you're looking for someone to buy i think joshua palmer is definitely a pretty clear target because he doesn't have that name value nobody really considers this guy a great target but if there's one thing we can all agree on on justin herbert 
he can support two fantasy relevant wide receivers. We've seen it back to yeah. back to back years with both Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Absolutely. And I love what you said there, Stu. I think sometimes we do fall in love with the athletic profile. We see it time and time again because we see it work, right? We see a Josh Allen. I know this is a different position, but we see the athletic profile. Maybe he's raw, come in and turn into one of the greatest quarterbacks in the league. And then everybody rushes to draft Paxton Lynch or Christian Hackenberg. And we're left with just uh, these tall, athletic nobodies. Um, so make sure you're looking deeper than just those top level athletic profile numbers. Before we talk a little bit more about this game, we had a question in here from our friend Peyton, an early start sit question. Want us to know, would you start Foreman or Zach Moss or Keontae Ingram this week? So there's still some uncertainty around which of the Bears will be healthy going into week seven. It's looking like a definite Roshan should be on the field, iffy for both Herbert and, um, and Homer. Stu, what are you doing here looking at these three backs? I, th I think I'm going Zach Moss. Like you said, it looked like Roshan was almost ready to suit up last week. So for me, I don't really think that's going to be a great option. I think he'll be back. There was even Foreman's usage was pretty solid, but it wasn't like mind-blowing spectacular last week. And I don't want a piece of that Arizona backfield if I can avoid it. Zach Moss, the, the usage is going to continue to diminish with Jonathan Taylor back, but he's been excellent so far. And I think he should take advantage of the opportunity. I don't think they're going to have three interceptions this week. So they should be able to establish the run a little better. Terrell, you rolling with Zach Moss out of these three as well? No, I'm not. I actually would have put Zach Moss last just because of the matchup he has against that Cleveland Browns defense. I mean, it, we I've talked about the Cleveland Browns defense the entirety of this season and what Jim Schwartz has done and being able to say that, hey, we trust our DBs to cover man and we can stack eight in a box every single time and we're going to stop the run and our DBs, you're, you can't throw on them because our DBs are too good. And so uh, that really gives me concern for both Colts running backs this week. I think that it's an opportunity uh, where the Colts, for one, finally get a bad Zach Moss game so they can just go ahead and give Jonathan Taylor all the workload again. Because <laughs> you can't give him the workload when he's playing well. You got to wait till he has a bad game and then say, all right, bet now we're going to give Jonathan Taylor 20 plus touches again. And so ultimately here for me, I think that is actually probably Deontay Foreman, even with the question mark of Roshan Johnson, probably coming back this week, probably not seeing Khalil Herbert there. But you have this Raiders defense who is sixth in uh, rushing yards allowed on the season. And so that's they have the matchup. They have the opportunity because I think that that's how this Chicago Bears team at home is going to be trying to play this Raiders team, run the ball, control clock and just go out here and grind out a really nasty, ugly win against a team that still has something to prove with Brian Horrier probably going to be at quarterback. So, yeah, I think that this was a really good opportunity for a Deontay Foreman this week, even in a split timeshare with the matchup. I'm probably taking him. Man, as a Browns fan, I'll get a little nostalgic seeing Brian Hoyer out there on the field. He gave us some good games and some bad times as a Browns fan. But I'm going to agree with both of you guys and say definitely not Keontae Ingram. Um, yeah. That is the name that's at the bottom of this list for me. I'm I'm torn between the other two. That Cleveland Browns defense, it's for real, man. It is yeah. it is for real. You watch them shut down the 49ers. You watch them shut down Christian McCaffrey. I yeah. I'm in now. I I believe it. I believe it's not just a good secondary. It's a it is the best. And I believe I said something NFL. about Christian McCaffrey. You did. Like he, he it was like he might he might you know find it a little bit rough to run on that defense. Yeah, the Browns are legit. I just heard I just heard Terrell's voice in my head all weekend. Every time Christian McCaffrey touched the ball, I was like, damn it, he told me. He told me. They're, they're, they're a quarterback away. And unfortunately, they have, you know, one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league, but they're only a quarterback <laughs> away. 
Yeah. If only they had someone like, I don't know, Baker Mayfield or something like that. I mean, who's what, sixth in QBR this season? That's what I'm saying. He's probably dropped now, but he, he was. He was sixth in QBR last week, so. It was brutal. Mr. Browns, man. So McCaffrey had a rough week, but in this game last night, it wasn't the best return to action for Austin Eckler either. Now, it is his first game back, so maybe expectations were a little bit more limited, but he saw 14 carries, only turned it into 27 yards against this Cowboys defense. It looked like they were getting penetration all night there against the line. And then through the air, saw four receptions, 35 yards off six targets. So for fantasy, did enough that you're not miserable with his performance, right? He didn't lay a goose egg on on your team. But with Austin Eckler, you're looking for 20, 25 PPR fantasy points a week from him. And that's not what we saw. Stu, are there any lasting concerns here or is this just first game back let's see how he uh adjusts back into this offense yeah no lasting concerns i would say uh if people are maybe feeling that if that's the consensus i would try to buy on austin eckler right now because at the end of the day you're not paying that premium on austin eckler for him to destroy on the ground right you're paying it for his work in the receiving game and his absolutely awesome touchdown equity both in the receiving and rushing game and that was on full display last game for me i mean this is a tough cowboys defense right they've had it some up and down weeks but at the end of the day that's a strong line right there we saw what he was able to do in the receiving game in this one and look what happened last season when Mike Williams was out that target share was at a wide receiver two number guy had an 18% target share for most of the season last year which is an elite number for a running back so for me that's still there we're going to see plenty of check downs he's going to kill it in the receiving game definitely would not be feeling bad about Austin Eckler I'm with you especially with the original number two wide receiver out for the season. It just elevates Eckler's importance in this team. Terrell, do you have any concerns for Eckler? Are you in agreement that it should be all go down the stretch of this season? Yeah, no, I mean, the Sharps knew that Austin Eckler probably was going to be a rough play this week. And it's because that, you know, that Cowboys defense top 10 against rushing a lot. Uh, rushing yards allowed to the running back position. And so he, he couldn't find the holes. He couldn't find spacing, couldn't break one. And, uh, Ultimately, a lot of his work probably did come in the passing game, and that's probably, you know, how we've known him to do. And But now, you know, looking at a different game script and a different opportunity in a game where Justin Herbert is not overthrowing every receiver and missing, like, pretty, pretty basic throws for him, uh, I think that there's a script where they're going to be in, in the lead and they'll have the opportunity in some of these games. That's normally how these Chargers games go. They have the lead. Brayton Staley makes a couple of questionable decisions, and then they lose the game. And so uh, ultimately, when they have the lead, Austin Eckler is a lot better for fantasy than when they're playing from behind. And so I think that this is an opportunity going forward that if you see somebody like, oh, I waited this long for Eckler to come back and he played bad, put an offer in and try to grab him because this is probably Lois's value is going to be all season. And does anyone else feel like Brandon Staley's trying to trick us with that beard into like thinking that he's a new, more mature, smarter decision-making coach? It reminds me of like oh, absolutely. when not. politicians start wearing thick-framed glasses all of a sudden, you know what I mean? They pop up on stage, you're like, you didn't wear those glasses before. That's the same vibe I'm getting from Staley walking out with like a gray beard. He's trying to like give off the, I've matured. You have not matured, Staley. You're still making the same boneheaded calls out there that you have. Brandon Staley. Here in LA. Brandon Staley comes into work every day as that guy that's looking for a reason to get fired today. Like he doesn't <laughs> want to work there anymore. He's been checked out for a while and he continues to do things to purposely try to get fired. And they're like, uh, no, nah, you still got to not compete. We're not going to fire you right now. 
the problem is every decision he makes, they think it's just an analytics decision. They're like, it looked bad, but the analytics say he should have done that. <laughs> well, guys, can I just say too? I, 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 I think I'm speaking for everyone. What is going on with these announcers and the analytics? It sounds like they just guess every time. Like it doesn't. <laughs> like there's no, there's no like model they're referencing or anything. No. They just go, oh yeah, the analytics say you got to go for it right here. What's going on? Why are we doing that? Every announcer is doing it now for every fourth down conversion, two point conversion, anything. They're just randomly throwing that out there. What the analytics? Games, <laughs> one of the games, I don't remember which game it was, but one of the games actually had a lower thirds bar pop up that said fourth and five analytics equals go. Like fourth and five past the 40 yard line or something like that. You're supposed to go for it. And it's like, oh, man. And you know who I blame? I I blame uh what's the what's that movie where they were just doing all I blame baseball for one. Baseball is 100% the reason. <laughs> uh, it's all baseball's fault. And everybody's trying to take stuff that happened Moneyball. in baseball, Moneyball. That's what it was. Moneyball and it it blame Moneyball came over to the NFL. It's even in basketball with the freaking Dallas Mavericks and some analytics nerd that they hit uh, hired as their president of basketball operations and Luca doesn't even like him. Like, stop with the freaking analytics. Nobody cares. If I wanted to do nerd stuff and freaking learn math and go to school, then guess what? I would have continued to do school. I would have went to college. I would have got a degree. I would have got a master's. I would have got a PhD. I would have did all of that. There is no reason to put analytics into the sport. We do not care. Now, my take on analytics is a little less extreme than Terrell. But if you're gonna put analytics into my sport, I am a freaking nerd show me show me what you're doing let me see the numbers don't just put a diagram up there that says like the amazon prime one's my favorite where it's be like it'll show all the different down distances and whether or not you should go for it and sometimes it just always says go down <laughs> the entire side it'll be like no matter what the situation here is i'm like show me the formula i just want to see how you're doing this man <laughs> You have a 100% chance of making the fourth down if you go for it. doesn't matter what it's at. It could be fourth and 44, and analytics still says go. We're now calling Terrell Dr. Furman Jr. He is the anti-analytics doctor here on the show. Before we move into our waiver wires for the week, we had a question pop in here from our friend SNKY, and it's a pretty good one. Wanted to know, would you trade Austin Eckler right now? So we just talked about maybe his disappointing game. Or Stephon Diggs, one of the top PPR wide receivers on the year so far. Terrell, what do you think of this trade? doesn't make that trade. Analytics <laughs> doesn't make that trade. What does Terrell say? <laughs> no, um, this is a tough one, man. It's, it, it really depends on what your makeup is and what position you feel is stronger because I think both of these guys still are going to finish around the tops of both positions. Uh, and, I mean – I really just feel like this is going to be a situation where you make the trade and then you're going to have a bad week and you're going to look over and go look at Austin Eckler and be like, oh, he had a good week. I shouldn't have done it. And ultimately, when it's all said and done, they both pretty much do what they need to do. So I think you really need to look at your team and say, hey, do I really need a stronger wide receiver or do I need a stronger running back? The fact that you're uh, considering it, it's either you got the offer or you actually feel pretty solid at running back and you probably need a stronger receiver. So I say go for it. But it's really on that team makeup for me. What about you, Stu? You like this nah, move? 
I wouldn't. I wouldn't make it. And if I had Diggs, I, I would send out Diggs for Eckler. I, I would think I'd be doing pretty good right there. I think he just has the more potential for spike weeks. I think the only reason you do this is like Terrell said, if you're really comfortable at running back, you've got to maybe Raheem Mostert, you drafted a little bit later. He's suddenly an RB1 now. You've got to, you know, too many great running backs, which is a, a good problem to have. Then you can move on. But if you're sitting there with like Jerome Ford and Antonio Gibson, then no. You know what I mean? I feel great about Eckler. <laughs> Um, and we've seen Gabe Davis play awesome so far this year. We've seen the Bills offense play very poorly over the last two weeks. I don't know if that's a continuing trend. I just feel more comfortable overall with Eckler. Man, I uh, these guys are both tier one players at their position. If you need help at either one, I don't mind grabbing either player, whichever side you need a little bit of help on. With that being said, I imagine there's a lot of teams out there that need a lot of help at every position with six teams on by going into week seven. A quick rundown of those teams. We got the Carolina Panthers, Cincinnati Bengals, Dallas Cowboys, Houston Texans, New York Jets, and Tennessee Titans all on by here in week seven. It is bipocalypse one with the next six team by coming down in week 13. So we'll have a little bit of a break, four or five team buys leading up to that. And a ton of injuries, some that we've already touched on, the Christian McCaffrey injury, the Jimmy Garoppolo injury, and some others that we haven't quite hit on yet. So this waiver wire is ever so important. I think we kick us off with the running back position because that's the position where I think people are feeling the most pain this week. And let's start with the Christian McCaffrey injury. So Christian McCaffrey, I forget what it is that he injured. I think it's an oblique, maybe rib injury that they're going to get more information on today. Um, we're not sure if he's going to miss time. They're waiting on results from the MRI. But with that being said, head coach Kyle Shanahan already came out and said, if CMC misses time, Elijah Mitchell is the next man up. Um, we've seen him do it in the past, but there is another back sitting there in Jordan Mason, who they've shown that they do like going forward. Stu, when you're looking at these two backs, Elijah Mitchell, who we've seen be a, like a back-end RB1, high-end RB2 in this exact role without Christian McCaffrey, or Jordan Mason, who's a little bit more unknown and definitely less rostered. What are you doing with the 49ers backfield? Yeah, I mean, it, I think the the Elijah Mitchell health situation is obviously something to take yeah. note of. This is a guy that's been questionable, what, for the last three, four weeks. We haven't seen him suit up. That concerns me, obviously, especially when you're asking him to come back and fill that RB1 workload, right? Because we know this is a system with Shanahan that year after year, I know CMC has the recency bias. It's always been the next man up mentality in the Shanahan system. Whenever somebody went down, it was just creating an opportunity for someone else to step up. And we saw them continue their run heavy game plan despite whatever running back was in there, right? So I still think we're going to see high volume. For me, Elijah Mitchell, the thing is he's going to be picked up in a majority of fantasy leagues, right? Elijah Mitchell is not as available on the waiver wire. So if Jordan Mason is out there, that's someone I'm very interested in taking, right? The talent should be there. This is a great rushing system. We've seen them constantly, like I said, run the ball in years past Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert. It's funny that they're all on the Dolphins now or all guys that stepped into these RB1 workloads and immediately produced. So I love Elijah Mitchell. I'm, I'm a big fan of him. I have been for a long time, but I would definitely be trying to get Jordan Mason I want pieces of this rushing attack no matter who's the starting running back and to your point Elijah Mitchell in sleeper PPR one quarterback league currently rostered in 34 percent we've got Jordan Mason only rostered in four percent of leagues so yeah. while I may prefer Elijah Mitchell there are questions around his health Jordan Mason's on the waiver wire in every single but one of my leagues that sneaky guy who picked him up a week early out there 
So I'm probably going to be adding a lot more Jordan Mason this week. Terrell, are you breaking down this situation similarly to Stu? Yeah, it's it's clearly Elijah Mitchell for me. I'm I have less concerns about Elijah Mitchell and the fact that you know Kyle Shanahan, who Elijah Mitchell didn't even suit up last week, said that hey, if CMC can't go, that's who it is. Like he made a point to make it known that they that's going to be our guy. Don't think that just because he wasn't out there last week that it's going to be the Jordan Mason show and we're going to see some uh, Tyrion Price or whatever. Uh, no, it's going to be Elijah Mitchell. He's going to be our bell cow back. We've seen him do it before. We've given him this workload before, and we think that he can uh, exceed it. And so. The thing for Jordan Mason is me is really just looking at the matchup and how do I see this game script going for this 49ers team? Because they've kind of shown him in the past couple of weeks with two touchdowns that they're willing to use him in goal line situations. They're willing to use him in late, you know, especially when they are up big, like against that Cowboys game. He got a late garbage time touchdown against the Cowboys game by just running the ball, being physical, use, doing as much with the opportunity as he has. And so that's one of the things that a lot of fantasy players don't look at. Like some of these players are going to maximize the opportunity that they get. And Jordan Mason is a person that if you're in a deeper league, if you're in, you know, one of these crazy start a million players type leagues and you get, you want to play a Jordan Mason, that's the angle you're looking for. Is this a game where they can potentially be up big and we can get a garbage time touchdown from Jordan Mason or we can get some garbage time uses from Jordan Mason? Because like you said, uh, Stu, this offense is going to be predicated on the running back and it's not just going to be one. Yeah. Can I ask a quick question right here? I'm curious what both of you guys think on if we could just have a guess right now on what, how many carries, if CMC's out, right? How many carries Elijah Mitchell would have versus Jordan Mason? I'm very curious what you guys think about that. Ooh, that is interesting. I, I definitely think Elijah Mitchell okay. gets the gets the bulk of the carries there, probably in the – I think 15 to 5, 15 to 5, 15 to 6, something like that. Like Mason's not going to get that many opportunities in a regular competitive game. Uh, they get in Minnesota, you know, on Monday Night Football coming up. So I think that game is going to be a little bit more competitive, especially in prime time. And so I don't think that Mason's going to get that many touches in there. But in games where it's 100 percent, you're locked into a blowout, then I think Mason will probably, you know, get in the double digit touches in just garbage time situations. Yeah, we've seen them trust him before. My only concern is that they run the ball less without Christian McCaffrey in there, but we've seen this team trust Elijah Mitchell with upwards of 20 carries before, so that concern is really, really mitigated just because we've got more evidence than we usually do in situations like this. And Elijah Mitchell is just one of those guys. I feel like when a player comes off the waiver wire and helps me win a league or just like it feels like the secret finds, you get that RB1, they, they have a special place in my mm – -hmm in my brain forever. And Elijah Mitchell is one of those guys. Ryan in here, before we move on to the next players, wanted to know how much fab are you throwing on Mason Mitchell? And this for me is highly subjective or it really depends on your situation because this is going to be a, a rental. Christian McCaffrey is not expected to miss a ton of time. Um, if you need a win, if you're one in five, if you're zero in six, I'd spend quite a bit more on Mitchell. I'd be willing to pay for that one week rental. Otherwise, this is a 10% of fab kind of thing for me where you just try to grab Mitchell and get a week out of him. What about you guys? Yeah, I don't know how you could – like with – there's too many unknowns to go super hard in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Like we don't even know. CMC could theoretically still He play. might not miss, yeah. Yeah, which then obviously you'd feel terrible in that situation. So – 
you got to do it, like you said, if you're really struggling at running back. But I, I probably wouldn't go over like 20, 25 percent. But the good news is even if you do kind of whiff this week, Elijah Mitchell um, is still going to be a handcuff all season long. Right. So he'll still kind of give you that season long backup option. Yeah, you can hold on to him there. Dustin analytics, here. analytics says that you should spend fifty percent of your fab on a lot of pressure. I mean, we have to do it at two fifty nine a.m. right before the waiver wire runs. Yeah. Otherwise, analytics say don't do it. Dustin, sixty percent of the time, sleep. it works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Now we're incorporating drops into the show. This is how you. This is how you elevate a show right there. Great job, Keith. Great job there. Stay tuned to find out what other drops we get surprised with before the end here. Dustin says, don't sleep on TDP. Six carries against Dallas. And the most important part, it's his birthday on Monday. You guys oh, buying okay. the, the birthday right. narrative? I'm sold. I'm sold. <laughs> I am sold. I'm 100% yes. sold. Uh, yeah, I'm 100% sold on that. I mean, I'm, I'm a sucker for a good birthday game. Does, does a birthday he know game. A child born game and a revenge game. You give me any of those three and I'm in. Like if they had a baby born within the last week, it's their yep. birthday that day, or they're playing against their team from the previous season, I'm in, baby. Maybe it's not good analysis, but analytics. I'd rather bet on TDP to have zero total yards than anything <laughs> else. That would be my prediction for the game. That's probably the smarter play. Let's talk about a couple more backs out here. We can touch on this guy briefly because I feel like we've talked about him a couple weeks in a row now, and he's rostered in most leagues. But Roshan Johnson – 60% roster, did not play in week six. We talked about the Bears running backs being a bit banged up. Terrell, is Roshan Johnson still your top ad of the Chicago Bears, or is there a different back that you're prioritizing? No, it's still Roshan Johnson. I don't think that, you know, nothing Roshan Johnson has had over the past couple of weeks should make you think that his production or his talent is going to diminish when he comes back. He had a concussion. And while that's a very serious injury, it's not an injury that's going to limit your production in the following weeks. Once you're cleared, once you're healthy, you're back to normal, and it's like nothing nothing happened. So, yes, there is a chance for re-injury like there is with any concussion, but at the fact the fact is, is that you're not sitting here expecting him to try to get back into football shape. He's been working out. He's been practicing to the side. He's stayed in condition. He's not hurt. This is a, Yeah, this is an opportunity where I feel like if – Roshan Johnson is out there. You have to pounce on him because this could be the the breakout week for him. It really could. Really good. You in agreement here, Stu? I am. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And even like Foreman, he was pretty solid last week. I'm a fan of Foreman. I like the talent there, but it's yeah, tough matchup. And he's going to lose those pass blocking snaps. That's kind of what Roshan, that was the first level of uh, the hype evolving was in preseason. You were noticing they were complimenting his pass blocking a lot. That was his clear viable path to the field. And they're definitely going to need that this week. Absolutely. I'm with you guys. Go ahead and add him. He was an ad before the concussion. He's an ad after the concussion. I think, I'm having, I think I'm playing him in Millie Maker this week. I think I'm playing some him in, Millie in there. It, you, you get a soft Raiders defense, and it's really the Deontay Foreman thing that we talked earlier. Like maybe he has a role, maybe he doesn't. But if there's a world of possibility where the, all these touches are going to Roshan, he could be at 100 plus in a touchdown category this week. You guys ready to talk about maybe a, uh, a grosser running back situation that we got to address? It was already gross to start the year, but Kyron Williams gave us a little bit of a surprise, right? <clears throat> Finally has a good game, looks all right on the ground for the first time, averaging 7.9 a carry, and he goes down. Ronnie Rivers also goes down. So now we're looking mm. at a player in Zach mm. Evans mm. who has one PPR fantasy point 
has played six offensive snaps through the first six weeks of the season, yet he's one of the top waiver wire ads of the season so far. Terrell, I know you're just dying to talk down there with all you've had to say about Kyron Williams. How are you feeling about Zach Evans stepping into this Rams role? I will not be surprised if Zach Evans has a game and Kyron w- Williams comes back healthy and they're like, hmm, I think we want to give Zach Evans more work. I think we want to see more of them. It's literally the path cycle of Rams running backs. They get injured. They One other running back comes in and has a good game. And then they're like, oh, I think this guy is better, actually. Let's keep going with this guy. And then they keep rotating him in and rotating him out and rotating him in and rotating him out. And how do you deal with the stress? Like, just as a fantasy player, I don't want to be stressed with the decisions of the team. I don't know how, like, okay, maybe Kyron William comes back and he gets his job. There's a world of possibility that they just decide that, uh, whatever, like they do anything. It's just how Sean McVan has treated the running back position. And it seems like he doesn't care. And we're going to get production out of whoever we put out there and very good on them for finding different ways to get different boom weeks from different running backs. But man, that is just, uh, I'm not starting him. I'm not taking the chance. I don't want to take a chance with any Rams running back. There's 31 other teams. I will take my chance there somewhere else. And to Terrell's point, while Zach Evans is currently the only healthy running back on the Rams roster, they are expected to elevate Royce Freeman from the practice squad oh. out of this next game. Oh, so my you could gosh. get the immediate, the immediate spoiler of Royce Freeman coming in and stealing those carries from the rookie. Stu, how are you feeling about this situation? It does feel messier than most. Yeah, I've always liked Royce. So, you know, shout out Me to him too. for making it back. He's always been a solid back. And that that is a little annoying. But I like Evans, obviously. I agreed with everything Terrell said up until the very end where he said he wouldn't start him. For me, everything you just said is a good reason why you want to buy a guy like Evans right now because we've seen it happen time after time. These running backs are constantly being replaced. And Kyron Williams posted a positive rush yards over expectation only once this season. That was last week. That was his only positive game so far in the season. It's not like you're asking for some amazing running back to come in and fill the production that's already been there. It's been very average production so far, which does, in my opinion, lead to a path for Evans possibly taking over a bigger role in the long term, right? The question is obviously talent. He's an unknown. We don't know. He carried an every down workload in the SEC last year. So it's not like he's coming out of the, you know, division two or anything like that. So I see some reason to be optimistic. There should be some volume. This is not a team that wants to run too much. They're a pass first team, right? They're only asking their running back to do the bare minimum. And Kyron Williams was producing RB1 weeks, doing the bare minimum, posting negative rush yards over expectations. <laughs> week in and week out so if he could do it i don't see any reason why a guy like evans couldn't unless obviously he's god awful and that's the risk you're gonna have to take god awful risk find out find out if he's god awful in real time in week seven on your roster zach evans now for real this is one of the players that i am prioritizing on the waiver wire this week and it's just opportunity we're looking at it he's currently the only healthy running back and we're looking at a practice squad elevated royce freeman as his competition you're in a buy situation if you're in an injury situation if you're relying on Kyron Williams or Christian McCaffrey um I think this is a player you can prioritize picking up and at least get one good start out of or at least get the volume for a potential of one good start out of we'll see what he turns it into yeah and I'll just say we don't know if he's good or not but we can 
pretty comfortably say that Kyron Williams isn't that good from the NFL data he's put up already. Maybe that's being a little harsh. Maybe he's jumping to conclusions. But, I mean, it's not like you're asking anything crazy here. And people were ranking Kyron Williams crazy high because of that red zone, obviously, offense, those opportunities. That should theoretically still be here for the rookie as well. So I'm just saying, I know it's ugly. I know we've never seen the guy before. But if another replacement level running back was putting up RB1 numbers, I see an opportunity for him too. And that's not something that comes around very often. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be prioritizing him as well this week. I, will, I would, I would pick him up. Uh, analytics says that I should spend 50% of fab on him. <laughs> and, um, Oh, Keith, I, I I let I let it I let it there for you, man. I thought you were gonna give me another one. I, I let the I let He's the sleeping. there for you. Yeah, man. Keith is sleeping behind the wheel right now. Either way, I here's the thing. I, I just don't know if I <laughs> Keith is stupid. And so there's no way that I just I don't think I'm willing to start him. Like I would much rather start Roshan Johnson this week opposed to Zach Evans. And I think I pick him up and just maybe that this is a boom week and that he is an option going forward. But just this upcoming, you know, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm i just not sold on this Rams backfield just overall. Like, it just seems like there's one way they want to go with the football, and that's Cooper Cup and maybe Puka Nakua, but majority Cooper Cup. I'm going to name a couple of the running backs here. Uh, let me know if any of these names jump out at you as guys that you want to prioritize this week. Kareem Hunt, Craig Reynolds. Yes. Oh, we got stopped no, early. Stop. Who is no, it, Terrell? Stop right there. Stop right there. <laughs> because who was it? Who was it? Was it Stu? Was it you? Was it Steezy? Who was it that I said Kareem Hunt? Kareem Hunt is the running back in the roster. And they gave him, they gave him the start. They gave him the start. And they gave him the touches. Like, it, oh, man. Seeing Kareem Hunt you in said a it early. Jersey, you Kareem, were like that – uh he said Jerome Ford had that 60-something yard run that made everybody think he was a good running back. I remember that. And you just hyping up Kareem Hunt. But, yeah, it took a couple of weeks. How many times How many times do you see running backs go for, to a second team and still be good? And still be good? He was good at the Chiefs. And then he went to the Browns, and he was still good. And then he left, and he came back, and he was – You never see running backs go to second places and consistently be good. But Kareem Hunt does it, and it's because the talent is there. And – Oh man, I mean, the side chick, the side chick of Kareem Hunt, and just coming back and being able to really, really trust, trust in in the family oriented aspect that we have going on in the Browns organization right now. It was no no hard feelings. We still like you, Kareem, and man, he got the end zone. I, I loved it. I was all over it. I loved it. Kareem Hunt, not too rostered out there, so uh, you may still be able to grab him on the waiver wire fairly easily. And with all the injuries around him, we're looking at like. Greg Reynolds is a popular name this week. Zach Evans is a popular uh -huh. name this week. Elijah Mitchell and Jordan Mason are popular you names this week. By Reynolds, Kareem Hunt. Oh man, that was a hot what? Like so, so that block, and I think I tweeted it out when it happened. But when that block happened, I immediately said, "There's no way Jameer Gibbs is getting the workload that everybody wants him to get because you're not getting plays like that from Jameer Gibbs, and they are going to keep Craig Reynolds on the field to get plays just like that." With Craig Reynolds, if Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery miss time, he's clearly a start. He's the next dude up. David Montgomery expected to miss. If Gibbs is back next week, which is looking expected, mm -hmm. is Craig Reynolds still playable in this Lions offense? 
I don't think so. <laughs> he, he, he requires both backs to be out. You think in order to? No, I don't think ball. so. I think he just. Yeah. I think he's just a hindrance to Gibbs and what Gibbs' full potential could be as a every down, you know, a 60, 70% of snaps type of running back. And Craig Reynolds is going to force him into that 50, maybe even 40 time split. And so do I think Craig Reynolds is going to do anything with that opportunity? Probably not. But blocks like that keep you on the field. I'm just letting you know right now, like blocks like that keep you on the field. And it may not be good for fantasy, but it's going to be good for the NFL. Y'all see that clip from Hard Knocks that's been going around of them almost cutting Craig Reynolds last year, and then all the coaches coming <laughs> to the defense like, nah, you can't. The Lions yeah, trust man. this guy. He is the Lions, and that block is exactly what they were talking about, man. Yeah, I was coming in to say the same exact thing. He's, these guys love him, right? And you're going out there. That earns you those snaps that are so important, right? He's going to be out there on the field. For me, the problem is, like you guys kind of touched on, it's not going to lead to fantasy points unless he gets in the end zone, to be completely honest. So if Gibbs is out there, it's going to be tough to start Reynolds. But to be honest, I don't hate with all the injuries going on. I still think you can pick him up. I still think with how many running backs – you know, are available. You shouldn't theoretically have to spend too much considering it's looking like Gibbs is trending to play. So I don't hate rostering him if you're on a deeper team or you have some roster space available, but yeah, probably not going to immediately lead to fantasy points, unfortunately. Alex in here has a question for us says, how do you guys push through being one in five third year plan? And each week, some random player on my opponent has a crazy boom game. Should I give up at this point? This is my favorite part. PPR. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. The PPR Alex, point. You putting that on there means you're not giving up, my friend. I know it. You, like you're looking for real advice. Still, Look, if you're, let me, if you're, I'll, ahead, I'll turn them into. A, let's turn them into a degenerate real quick. Hedge out. Hedge out. What I do when I know that I just my team is just has the worst luck. Bet on the other team and at least win some money. Bet on the other team props on a touchdown or anything, at least win some money. I, I'm fairly confident in my one in five teams. Like, I just betting on the other team, it, I get the solace, the solace of knowing that while they might have beaten me in fantasy, that my bankroll has just increased because all I had to do was do zero handicap, but just fade my fantasy team every single week. Stu, yeah. what are you telling Alex if uh, if they come to you and they say, "Man, I'm I'm just ready to give up on this season. I'm one in five. Keep getting hit by the crazy boom games, PPR." Maybe you need to pivot to another career. Maybe comedy writing because that adding PPR at the end of that question is hilarious. That's 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 amazing work right there. I can't tell if it's a joke or not. Still, well, why would we need to know if it's a PPR league? You didn't ask. You didn't tell us player. anything. <laughs> this is just a, a broad question right here. I don't know, but in terms of advice, um, whenever my teams are looking real rough. I think you got to go for a shakeup. If you're in an active league and people are willing to trade, sometimes you got to take an L on a trade, right? Because you're one in five, people aren't going to be letting you have all their good players. Sometimes you got to buy low on a guy that you like, or if you don't trust your analysis, someone that you follow, that you respect, go for those buy lows and try to shake up that team because something isn't working right now. Um, and that when my team's one and five, I can't just sit there and stare at those same guys giving me those same eight points a week. So you gotta you gotta go on that waiver wire, hope you get a, a boom candidate, and then you gotta go out there and make some trades. Load up your bench with high upside players over the back half of the season and ones that you're gonna find out about quickly whether it's going to pay off or not. So you can cycle through these guys and, and make some big boy trades. Look at the stars yeah, on your roster. Your Is there anybody player. injured? Consider yeah. trading your best player. Like, to be honest, consider trading your best player. I mean, at this point, you're one in five. You got nothing to lose. And that player, clearly your best player ain't doing nothing for you because you're one in five. And so 
consider trading that person and getting a haul and completely ran re revamping that team and giving yourself a fighting chance because what you're doing isn't working and what's the definition of insanity you don't need great running backs to win in fantasy football so if you've got a superstar one you don't need great wide receivers you just need a great team i've got plenty of leagues where i'm sitting at five and one four and two and my starting running backs are gus edwards and antonio gibson right now right like you can put mm -hmm. together a team around it so i'm i'm with you terrell don't be afraid to make that roster look a little ugly if it means shaking it up and getting some stars elsewhere in that in that team honestly great question though alex because i know a lot of people are facing that at this point of year and we start seeing people fall off. But you know how many times I've watched a 1-5 in five team or an 0-6 team sneak into the playoffs at the last spot and then take home the title? Like, don't give up, man, because it's going to feel extra good if you're able to get it done. All right, well, let's hit on some of these uh, wide receivers before we jump out of here. A lot of the names look familiar as they have previous weeks. We're talking Curtis Samuel, Kendrick Bourne, some of the, the rookies like Rashi Rice, Josh Downs. We did finally see a boom from Jamison Williams. He didn't do much, but he did have a big touchdown in that game. That's the name I'm interested to hear where you guys stand on. Are you prioritizing Jamison Williams over some of these maybe more established in the season receivers because of the upside he presents? It's it's an interesting question. I, I'm not, to be completely honest. I have a lot of Jamison Williams in best ball, and that's exactly where I want him to be because I don't want to have to pick which week he's going to get 11 points in and which week he's going to get zero points in. And there's going to be more zeros than anything because as we've kind of hinted on in past weeks, it's a lot of gadget usage so far. It's a lot of downfield usage so far, and that's it. We're not getting those opportunities to stack up those PPR points. He doesn't have a role. He's not even the wide receiver three on this team. He's the borderline wide receiver four that is solely living on deep balls, right? So the hope is obviously as he gets healthier and healthier, he gets more acclimated to the offense, he gets more involved. But to me, that's not something we're going to see in the next couple weeks. That's a very end-of-season move. So I think if you're sitting in a good spot in your leagues, maybe that's someone you go to but if you need immediate production I, I would not be spending a lot of fab on a guy like Jamison Williams this week I'm with you I'd prioritize a, a Curtis Samuel I know he's had three touchdowns the last three weeks one receiving two rushing but he seems to be one of Sam Howell's favorite targets he's consistently involved in this offense and if there's a guy that I'm betting money on to score a touchdown in this commander's offense week in week out Curtis Samuel is right near the top of that list maybe right behind a Brian Robinson Jr. so you're taking a little bit of a bet on a touchdown, but uh, you can still get six, eight points out of Curtis Samuel without a touchdown. And then you're looking at borderline high-end wide receiver two, wide receiver one numbers if he does get in the end zone. So that's where I'm prioritizing. What about you, Terrell? Are you uh, a little more optimistic that Jameson Williams can get it done? Or I saw you nodding your head along with Stu while he was talking there. No, yeah. I mean, it <clears> – <throat> excuse me. The thing that people have to understand about Jameson Williams is he's still a rookie wide receiver. Like, you know, that's ultimately what this is. Like, he's played, what, three games in NFL? Like, hey, locker room locker room says you got to play a full 16, 17 games where you consider not a rookie anymore. And so, uh, Jameson Williams, still a rookie, still learning the offense, still trying to grasp the speed of being an NFL-level wide receiver. And remember what I just said earlier about Quentin Johnston. All rookie wide receivers don't break that mold. Like, they're all not Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. They're all not going to break the mold as soon as they get out there. And so, while I do think he is the fourth, I agree, he's the fourth wide receiver now. 
I think he ultimately can pass uh, Marvin Jones in snaps and in targets and catches and all of that before the end of the season. Just not happening now, but Marvin Jones has looked like pretty bad this season. But he has no shot. Like with Amaral St. Brown and Josh Reynolds, he has no shot that could, you know, be one of the top two options without injury. So he's somebody that if you're getting him, you're probably stashing him and you're waiting for better days. Whereas Curtis Samuel, Curtis Samuel. Oh, you're starting him immediately. If it if he's available, I, your league is just behind. He shouldn't even be available on anybody's roster. He's been so good, so consistent, and he's pretty much defeated what everybody pegged as the number two wide receiver in Washington, which is Dotson. No, Curtis Samuel said, I've been around the block a while. I'm a veteran. I know how to do this, and I'm going to continue to get open for Sam Howell. You ready to be shocked in sleeper PPR one quarterback leagues? Curtis Samuel is only 51% rostered. In half of leagues right now, you can go out and get a wide receiver that over the last three weeks has at worst put up wide receiver three numbers with a borderline wide receiver one, wide receiver 14, and then wide receiver 12 two weeks ago as well. Go pick him up. Put him on your team. He's out there, man. He's out there in a lot of your Hey, leagues. Alex, if, if Curtis Samuel out there, you might need to go grab him at that one and five. If he, <laughs> if he out there, you might want to go look at Curtis Samuel. We talked a bit about rookie wide receivers last week and the uh, potential for a second half breakout. There's one name after this week, especially that's jumping out at me a little bit more. And maybe it's just the allure of having a separated chiefs wide receiver, but seeing Rashi rice start starting to develop as a more prominent piece of this offense. It's giving me hope. It's making me want to throw him on the back of my bench and see, is he going to separate himself from the rest of this bunch? Terrell, I see uh, you're making faces down there. You don't think it happens for Rashi Rice? This is fantasy optimism on my part. Oh my gosh, man! This is—is is this what is this Sean McVay in the running back situation again? We've seen <laughs> this. We've seen this story every single time we see it. It happens. At one point, it was Nicole Hartman. We thought it was going to be the guy. At one point, we thought Juju was 100% the guy. And matter of fact, people were saying Juju was going to get another contract and he was going to be back. And then we, we've we seen Scantling. We've seen so many names come through here. What was uh Demarcus Robinson was a guy at one point. Like, there's so many situations where we've said there is another receiver that you can trust 100% outside of Travis Kelsey and there's not there's not as good as it looks there's not because guess what's going to happen next week Sky Moore is going to have two touchdowns and then Sky Moore is going to be the guy and then what's going to happen after that there's going to be Justin Watson when he comes back from his injury he's going to have a bunch of games then he's going to be the guy it's just what Patrick Mahomes does man they 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 they're I just given up on any hope that this Chiefs team will ever find another receiving option outside of Travis Kelsey I think it's just the desperation to want that ever since Tyree Kill has left. Yeah. Fantasy managers were trying to fill that void of Tyree Kill on the Chiefs, and maybe it doesn't happen. Stu, you got a little more optimism for the rookie Rashi Rice, or are you uh, feeling t similarly to Terrell that this may be a fool's game and we've seen this script before? No, I have more optimism. I think a lot of those names you mentioned, you're right. People fall, fell in love with them, but when you look at those kind of player profiles, a lot of those guys are one note players. And in fact, when you look at every player on the roster outside of Travis Kelsey, you see a lot more 
one note wide receivers, right? Guys that have one thing, whether they're a gadget player, whether they're solely a deep shot running downfield routes, we don't see too many developed route trees. And that's, that's what's giving me hope for Rice is he's a guy that isn't a one note wide receiver. He's a rookie. He's already running a pretty solid route tree so far. You can only expect that to continue. Showed a lot of good yak ability in college. For me, it's not like I'm betting on him to be the next Tyree kill. He's available in your waiver wire. You know what I mean? This isn't like we're talking about something you have to give up a lot of cost for. This is just solely an opportunity play. When you look at the other guys in this team, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Sky Moore, both rank bottom tier in terms of separation and efficiency so far this year. These guys aren't getting open. And obviously Patrick Mahomes can get you open every once in a while. But when you're surrounded by a lot of other mid-tier wide receivers, there's a clear path for fantasy points, even with Travis Kelsey there. So I understand the concerns. Um, Terrell obviously laid out a very good point. When you look at the history, we do this every single year. But to me, it's more about managing your expectations. And I think Rice can be a viable fantasy player down the line. And to get him for free is something I'm interested in doing. He's sitting out there. A lot of these wide receivers rostered in about 50% of leagues. You'll notice a trend with a lot of the names this week. I think it's a lot of players where we see the upside. We've seen flashes, but we're not seeing enough to be able to start them week in, week out. And so they're just floating on and off of rosters onto the waiver wire as the season continues. Rashi Rice, one of those names. Before we go here, I did want to ask you guys, give you a list of streaming quarterbacks because there is a lot of quarterback to molt this week with injuries and six teams on by. And just real quick, get who your favorite of that bunch is. So for streamers this week, players that are rostered in, we'll say, 55% of leagues or less that you may be able to grab, we've got Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield, Desmond Ritter, Sam Howell, Derek Carr, and Joshua Dobbs. Stu, is there a name out of that bunch that jumps out to you in week seven? Yeah, I'm going to have to be starting one of these guys. So Joshua Dobbs, the rushing upside is there. Daniel Jones, the problem is a neck injury, right? I I don't know if I can trust him coming back because what he does provide when he's healthy is that mobile aspect. So for me, I kind of got to cross him out. Derek Carr is a competent quarterback, unlike most of the guys on the list. I know the recent <laughs> eight obviously has been there, but at least this is a guy that we can trust as an NFL starter. So I don't think you can go wrong with Derek Carr. I think Dobbs has that rushing upside. And honestly, if Tyrod Taylor is named the starter, I, I could be playing a little bit of Tyrod Taylor. I want that baseline of rushing upside when we're talking about the bottom of the barrel quarterbacks. Well, what about you whenever you're looking at these names? Any other names jump out at you? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, unfortunately, uh, I think I, of all those names, Baker is very, very interesting, but I think you have to go with Daniel Jones here. And it, it's just more of look at the dominance that he's had against this commander's team, who he's 5-1-1 one, one against in his career. He's had really, really good days, including a five-touchdown game against them in his career. And he's been able to get the rushing aspect on the ground, put on uh, rushing yards and a touchdown on the ground against this team. He's just had really, really good games against commanders. And you look at this Giants offense and you look at where they're supposed to be this week compared to other weeks, they're a lot healthier. They're getting that offensive line back. Saquon Barkley's back. I think he has a pretty decent opportunity against Washington. Well, guys, that is going to be it for us today here on Fantasy Fire and Ice NFL Edition. Terrell and I will be back tomorrow with our friend Steezy helping you get ready for these week seven matchups. Until then, though, we are out of here. Make sure you scan the QR code on the screen. Check out the Fantasy Sports Logic Contrarian Edge Optimizer to help you get ready for those matchups. And enjoy your Tuesday night. Adios, everybody. Mm -hmm.